Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Hey, well, I want to say a really big welcome to everybody who's joining us online today. We are so glad that you can make it to church. And uh, I want to welcome especially anybody that normally doesn't come to church. If this is your very first time tuning in, we are exceptionally glad that you are here. And today I want to share a message with you. And I think this message is going to encourage you. I think it's going to help you. And before I even get into it, I want to pray. And I want to pray today because I really believe that there are Uh, people right now who just need that encouragement because we are living in a wild and a crazy world at the moment and we are still doing ISO life and so we look forward to the time when we can get out of this but really this message and even this prayer is for people that want to be encouraged by God today. Maybe you felt far from Him, maybe you felt distant but I'm believing that at the end of this message you will have a moment with God that changes your life. So if you want to be included in this prayer, why don't you just join with me now? Father God, I just thank you so much for every single person who's listening to this prayer right now. I believe that these words carry power, whether they're listening to it live or maybe they're listening to it later on and they've just found this clip. But right now, God, while you're here with me in this moment, you are there with them wherever they are. And I pray your grace to be all over each and every person as they hear these words. I pray the counsel of your spirit to lift them up out of the place where they are. And I pray peace to fill their hearts. And I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I wanted to pray because I really think that prayers are powerful. And I really believe that prayer can often lead to a moment that'll change your life. And that's really what I want to speak about today. I want to speak about moments. I was thinking about this during the week and I was thinking about my life. I was thinking about my childhood, my teenage years, as I grew into adulthood. And to be honest, I can't remember every single thing that happened. That probably doesn't come as a surprise to anyone. The truth is, I can't even remember every season that happened. But amongst the seasons, there are these moments. See, not all time is the same. We have one word in the English language for time, and we just use it to define everything. And so the way that we do life most of the time is that we measure things by our calendars. We measure things by minutes and hours and days and weeks and years. That's how we measure time. And we're really fixated on it. We mark things in the calendar. And as the days get closer, we know when those moments are going to happen because we've scheduled them. They're there and they're in the calendar. My kids are like this all the time. Like as we get closer to Christmas, and gosh, we're so far from it now. There'll be plenty of this, but they always ask the same thing. Dad, how many sleeps is it to Christmas? Dad, how many sleeps is it to my birthday? One of my kids, I won't mention who, but as soon as they've had one birthday, it's like a week later and they're like, Dad, how many sleeps? I'm like, it's a long time. Okay, we're gonna have a long time to wait before we come back around to your birthday again. Because in our calendars, we just schedule stuff. These moments, we schedule them. But not every moment can be scheduled. Not every 
Time is measured with your calendar or your watch or in days. In fact, there are very special moments that we can't always plan. And these things happen as divinely appointed moments. Now, the Bible uses the same word time in the English language, but if you look up the original meaning of the word in different places, sometimes it means chronos time, which is the time that we use with our calendars. And then there is another word and it's the word kairos. And the word kairos is like a divinely appointed or inspired moment. It is the set time or the due time. It's the moment when God decides to act. And in fact, there are 87 times in the New Testament, the Bible uses the word chronos. And it made me realize that, you know, throughout the seasons of life, there are always these divinely appointed and inspired moments. We can't always plan them, but they're there. And what I really think is that those moments, in so many ways, they shape our lives. Let me give you an example. When the Bible says in the Gospel of Mark that the kingdom of God is at hand, it is a divinely inspired moment appointed by God for the kingdom of God to be within reach. It wasn't anything that they could set their calendar to. And so I want to speak to you about moments because I think that the moments that we have in our lives make a far bigger impact than the seasons we go through. The moments we have make a far bigger impact than the seasons that we go through. I remember years ago, I committed my life to Jesus. And when I did that, it was the greatest decision of my life. And then I had some time where I spent away from God. And then 21 years old, I recommitted my life to Jesus. Okay, and so, and so I committed it to Him. But can I tell you that before I committed my life to Jesus, there was a divinely inspired moment where God showed me who He was. And in that moment, everything made sense. And I realized in that moment that the thing that I needed to do was to give my life to Jesus. I remember the time that I, in so many ways, committed my life to my wife. I got married. I committed my life to Sarah. And that also was preceded by a divinely inspired moment. Like You might not know this, but when Pastor Sarah and I were dating, there was this period of time where I was thinking, am I going to get married? Like, I don't know if I'm ready to get married. And I prayed to God and I said, God, if you think that I should get married, this is what I'm asking for. And I wouldn't encourage every person that wants to get married to do what I did because I don't know if it works like this every time. But I said to God, if Sarah is the person I'm supposed to marry, here's what I want you to do, God. I want five people to speak to me in one week and I want all of them to say, it is time for you to get married to your girlfriend. You need to propose to her. And so anyway, we got about two days into that prayer or after that I'd prayed that prayer and I had racked up all seven separate people who said to me, hey, when are you going to get married to Sarah? So I took it as a divine inspired moment that that was the thing I was supposed to do. Now that moment changed my life. When I gave my life to Jesus, that moment changed my life. My life was filled with moments that changed it, not the entire season. I can't remember all of that. I don't remember every minute of every day. I just remember the very special moments that happened. Like the moment when Sarah called me while I was at work 
and she said to me, I'm pregnant. Who does that to their husband at work? I wasn't prepared for this. I didn't know about this. This is the first time that we had uh, uh, fallen pregnant, you know, as a, as a married couple. And so I was on the phone and I don't know what she was looking for. What kind of expression should I give? I just tried to say on the phone, well, that's wonderful news and we can talk about it when I get home because I didn't want to give it all away, but it was a moment. And I remember that phone call. Now, I don't know how many phone calls I've had in my life, literally hundreds of thousands of phone calls, probably probably, and, and, and all of those phone calls, none of them stick in my mind really, but that one does because it was a moment. It was a moment that was motivated by a dis- divinely inspired thing that happened. I mean, I know there are people out there that would love to fall pregnant, and sometimes it's just a God thing that happens in a God moment, and, and, and I want to know I want you to know that if you're in that season right now, uh, we want to be praying for you as well, because I know that that can be really tough. But my point is that it was motivated by a divinely appointed moment. I think that there is a purpose on my son, my firstborn son, Judah. I think that God had allotted him at this time, at this point, at this season. And so all of these moments, what are they? They're divinely inspired moments. And these things, they, 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 these things are not Kronos time. This is Kairos time. I, I remember trying to make a, a Kairos time, a Kronos time. I, I said to my wife, uh, you know, with our firstborn son, Judah, when he was um, getting ready to be born, she said, I think I'm getting kind of close. And I said, okay. I said, well, hey, sweetheart, could you do me a favor? If you could just plan to have this child at 7 a.m. in the morning, that give me a good night's sleep. So here's what I'm asking for. 7 a.m. wake up, we relax. Don't rush it, Sarah, take it easy. And, and then we just drive to the hospital. If we could arrive around 10 a.m., I would really appreciate that. And, and you know what? We just had a good laugh about it because I was trying to plan a Kairos moment and we know what that's like. You just can't plan these things. The crazy thing is, is that everything happened exactly as I asked for, you know? Like uh, we, we did get up, wake up at seven o'clock. We did get to the hospital by 10.30. It's exactly how it happened. But the truth is, is that I think God was just being gracious because I couldn't schedule it. I couldn't plan it. You can't plan when a baby comes. It's just one of those Kairos moments, you know? You don't remember every day of every season, but just the moments because one moment can change your life. And I really believe that. One moment can change your life. It's not the season that shapes you, but the moments. I want to read a scripture to you. And it comes out of John chapter 8. And it's a story about a woman who has a moment with Jesus. I'm going to begin in verse 2. So chapter 8 of John's gospel in verse 2, it says, Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. This is Jesus. All the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. So there is a big crowd that's gathered around him. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. And and this is the thing when I read this scripture, I always read this and I think, okay, why did you just bring the woman? Like, where is the man? And if you knew that she was going to be caught in the act of adultery, why didn't you religious leaders help her 
instead of waiting for the right moment to expose her. It goes on to say, and placing her in the midst of that big crowd, they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery, the act. Now the law, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. This is interesting because this is the only time and the only recording in the Bible that Jesus ever wrote anything. Just this one mention here. Verse 7. As they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go. And from now on, sin no more. It wasn't exactly giving her permission to do what she was doing. He was really just giving her the opportunity to have a clean start. If you're not a Christian, maybe your idea of church or religion is everything that I just said then, where it's full of people that want to catch you in the act of doing something wrong for the purpose of exposing the wrong things that you've done so that they can point the blame, point the finger at you. I got to tell you that this could not be further from what church is. And if you keep reading this story, this is not the way that the story ends. It begins that way. It doesn't end that way. So let me just take a moment to explain this story. Firstly, this woman is caught in the act of adultery. So let's be honest about that. That's a sin. Okay, that's a, that's a failure in terms of design and intention. That was a mistake. And, and, and even people that are not Christians, I think everyone would agree that adultery is a sin. We understand that there's something about the sanctity of marriage. Okay, people shouldn't have affairs. We understand that. So I don't think that that uh, is difficult to understand. But in this scripture, there is a process that is supposed to take place and it didn't take place. For example, when they first brought the woman to Jesus, they were supposed to bring the man that committed the act of adultery with her. So the two of them should have come together. Now, it probably doesn't surprise you that you can't really commit this act on your own. So where was the guy? Where was the man? Well, they weren't interested in bringing him. What they were really hoping to do in this story was expose Jesus's grace and his compassion. They thought we're going to catch him because we know he loves people and he's probably going to want to forgive her. And then he's going to break the law and then he's going to be in trouble. And then we're going to tell everyone, don't listen to Jesus. You can't trust him. He breaks the law of Moses. That's what they're hoping for. But they don't bring the man. And that's something they're supposed to do. Not only that, but when they come and they bring the man, they're supposed to bring the witness that caught the woman and the man in the act of adultery. There always needs to be the witness. 
So now you just have these religious leaders that bring her, but no witness. They bring no man, by the way, that was supposed to take this couple and the witness to the gates so the judges could hear this case. And the judges would make a ruling on it. Or you could take this case to the temple and the priest would then hear this sin that's happened and and, uh, everything that, that had transpired. And then what the priest would do is he would kneel down and he would write the names of the people that committed the sin on the floor. And then he would write the punishment for the sin on the floor. And so this is the way that this process was supposed to happen. And and I've read this story for so many years and I've thought, man, I, I wonder what Jesus wrote. What did he write on the ground? Whatever he wrote, it was pretty significant because it was enough to cause all of the religious leaders to stop what they were doing and to walk away and to no longer try to set Jesus up to be caught or to fail. Whatever he wrote, it was significant. And people have talked about this, but I think you kind of got to visualize what's going on here. Here is Jesus teaching everybody. And they bring this woman and they throw her at Jesus's feet. She's guilty, so they say. Jesus, rather than standing up and lording it over her, I love this story because Jesus gets down on the same level as her. I imagine that they were able to make eye contact, just look at each other in the eye and He begins to write something on the ground. And I thought, what would He write that was so powerful? And it occurred to me after I understood this story, that if he was going to write anything on the ground, if he was going to write the names of people that had sinned, he probably wrote the religious leaders' names down because they didn't bring them in and they didn't bring the witness and they didn't go to the temple gates. Far as I can tell, at this point, the only person who's really broken the law of Moses is the religious people that are the very same ones that are trying to hold it up. And so Jesus, He understands that they haven't done what they're supposed to be doing. And as a result of that, He probably wrote their names in the ground on the dirt. And then that's what they probably read and they they would have walked away from it. One of the reasons why they would always write the names on the ground and the sin or the punishment on the ground is because it wasn't permanent. See, after the penalty had been paid, It wasn't permanent. It wasn't etched anywhere in stone. And what they could do is they could just wipe it away. One of the reasons why I love this story so much is because I think this story demonstrates the gospel so well. And if you don't know the gospel, let me just tell you right now. It is the most encouraging, uplifting, outrageously positive message the world has ever heard. This this whole story points to what Jesus has done on the cross See, the thing is, is that whenever we make mistakes, and let's be honest, we know that from time to time, we're going to make mistakes, right? Everyone that's listening to this message understands that they are not perfect. But when you give your life to Jesus and believe that He paid the penalty, dying on the cross for your sins, it means that your sins are wiped away. They're not permanently attached to you. They're not permanently there for people to look at. They are wiped away. Now, here is where it gets even more amazing. If you believe that Jesus Christ has paid the penalty for your sins, there's really nothing to write down. 
Because the Bible says that what happens is you wear the righteousness of Christ. In fact, what He did is He took on your sinful life and He gave you His perfect life and did a complete reversal. So now there is nothing about you that sin can stick to. And so that means that in any season, you can go to God if you've got a relationship with Jesus. If you've asked for forgiveness of your sins, you can go to Jesus and expect to find the grace of God every time you grow to, go to Him. And I'm telling you, that is good news. See, what you need to understand is, is that God can reach you anywhere, but you can position yourself for a moment. The woman in the story that I read today, she didn't really position herself. In fact, she was just thrown down. I, I, I guess this is a moment that she would never forget though. I think about all the moments that she had in her life and I feel like this is one that would stay with her forever. They bring her to Jesus. She was probably expecting that this would be the worst moment of her life. And in a moment when she expected judgment, in a moment when she expected punishment, all she was received was grace and mercy. And it is exactly like that when you have a moment with Jesus. It's always like that when you take the time to connect with Jesus. He is not there to point out all of your mistakes and constantly bring them up. He doesn't want to do that. What Jesus wants to do is to forgive you of all of your sins and set you free from the power of sin that in many ways would rule and reign your life. It channels you towards, towards a very specific destination and future. And what Jesus wants to do is change all of that. All He wants to do is pour out grace. And if you feel like God is far from you today, I tell you the truth. You can position yourself for a moment with Jesus. If you get close, you get changed. I have never met anyone who got close to Jesus and wasn't changed by Him. Listen to this, Psalm 34 verse 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. James 4, 8, draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. I feel like in this season, it has never been more important than to point people towards Jesus. Because here's the truth of it all. Even when we come to church, even when we preach messages and have people leading worship on stage. We, we set the atmosphere. We set the moment. We, we do as much as we can, but we can't make that moment happen. Real life change happens when people encounter Jesus. That is why we need to point people to Jesus in this season more than any other season, not to point them towards just good behavior. Like if you, if you tune in today, and the message that I have for you is, hey, if you're not being really good, try harder. Like what a discouraging message that is. People are already, already trying hard to, to be their best self and they're, and they're struggling. And, and by the way, you, you'll fail to be the perfect version of you. You can't do it. So we don't point people towards works and we don't pe point people towards law. You know what the law does? It does exactly what we read in that story. The law points out all the sin and the mistakes that you make. So we don't want to point people towards law. 
and we don't point people towards religion. This is what I think, honestly. Religion, routine, and ritual does little to help people. I'm going to say that again. I think that's so important. Religion, routine, and ritual does little to help people. And I'm telling you right now, I have never seen anyone get caught up in law and religion and find themselves set free by the power of God. It doesn't happen. It's not how it works. Now, if you're watching this today and you think to yourself, this is great. This is a really good message for some of those people out there that maybe don't quite know who God really is. Yeah, that's true. But you know what I've discovered? I've discovered it's so easy for Christian people to become religious. It's so easy for Christian people to become religious. They just find a way to make it happen. They come to church and they have no moment with God. They go home, they have no encounter with God. They, they are far from Him. They always make sure that they turn up to Easter services and especially Christmas services because we've got to celebrate Jesus' birth and his, and his death and that's very important. And, and it's easy to get caught up in that, but still have no actual moment with Jesus. And if you've missed this so far, let me make it really clear to you. It's not the coming to church. It's not all of the other stuff. It's the moment with Jesus that changes you. That's what shapes you. If you have been far from God in this season, spending no time with Him and feeling like something's wrong, maybe it is. And maybe the thing that you've really got to get right is to set aside some of that time so you can have that moment with Jesus. It's funny how Christian people become religious. You know, like it's so important that we do very specific things. I have seen people get upset that somebody wore a hat into church, but they have no actual genuine connection and relationship with God. It just offends them that there is someone wearing a hat in the sanctuary of the Lord. I don't, I don't get it. I honestly don't. You know, we, we make sure that we say grace at, at, over every meal, right? How many scriptures can you find in the Bible on the subject of saying grace over your dinner, by the way? I challenge you. How many times can you go into the Bible and find the subject, make sure you say grace over your dinner? I don't know how many references you'll find, but I find so many references to forgiving people that have hurt you. And what's amazing to me is how people can walk around with bitterness and unforgiveness, but say grace and feel okay. That's when you know you're becoming religious. You pay attention to the small little things, maybe some of the man-made rules. That's what religion really is after all. We pay attention to the man-made stuff, the stuff that we think is super important, but you could walk around and not forgive people, not get past some of the things that, that you're harboring in your heart. What about this one where the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Have you ever gone to sleep and been a little bit upset with someone in your life? Well, the Bible says don't do that. But as long as you said grace at dinner, it'd feel okay. It's kind of like, you know, the kids sit down to start the meal. And if they take a bite, we say, what are you doing? You can't start that grace. You, you can't start without saying grace yet. This is important. This is God. This is faith. This is very important. But we can walk around with all kinds of issues going on in our hearts. And I'm telling you, this is not what Jesus died for. I think some people like the ritual of church, you know, as long as I go to church, you can go to church and miss Jesus altogether. You can go 
and show up and talk to people and drink coffee and smile and walk around and miss everything that Jesus was wanting to say to you in the moment. And I tell you the truth right now, if you've ever done that, man, the devil loves it. He doesn't actually mind if you go to church as long as you don't have a moment with Jesus because it's that moment that shapes you. It is that moment that changes your life. He's okay with you going. By the way, when you come to church, He would love to distract you. He'll say something about, hey, look at what that pastor is wearing, you know, or, or what about that leader? Or, or man, they're... I don't know, maybe their coffee's no good. Maybe that's really important to you. I don't know, but he'll do anything he can to distract you as long as you don't have a moment with Jesus because you can have a season of church, but no encounter that changes your life. And it's all about those moments with God that changes you. See, I think that religion in so many ways is easier than relationship, but religion doesn't change you. It only chains you. I really mean it. Religion doesn't change you. It only chains you. I wanted to share this message because I don't know how many people are new to church. Maybe they have an idea about what they think it really is. When you come to church, we don't try to moralize you if you're a Christian person and maybe you haven't gone to church for a long time our our goal is not to moralize you we're not trying to bring you closer to those high moral goals in some ways we are but that's not what it's really all about we don't primarily give you goals we primarily give you the gospel because you can give someone a goal, but if they have no encounter, it doesn't lead to transformation. Here's what I think. I think we need moments with Jesus all the time. I think what you need is an encounter with the true God because one moment with Jesus will completely change your life. It's not the whole season. It's the moments in the season that changes us. I tell you right now that God is not far. God is not distant. He's closer than hands and feet. And it doesn't matter when you're watching this. Wherever you are right now, whatever you're doing right now, God is with me in this moment and He's all around you. Right now, even now, God is with you. Maybe what it is, is you can't sense Him. Maybe you don't know that He's there. But I'm telling you, He's right there with you in this moment. You know what the Scriptures say? It says He stands at the door and He knocks and He knocks. And what He's wanting is for you to open the door, to have a moment with Him where you have an encounter that totally changes your life. We're doing homeschooling or I think we're supposed to call it remote learning. I, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever we're doing, we're doing it. And we're trying like so many other parents to try to get this thing right, and just nail it. And we're trying to do our best with it. And the house is just full of noise. We were at the dinner table the other day and 
I can't remember what time of the day it was, but I just remember that it wasn't dark yet. It was the afternoon and there was yelling and there was like screaming, but like not in a bad way. It's like they were excited. I don't know what they're excited about. It's the same house for the last couple of months. But anyway, they're excited and they're running and they're shouting and they're screaming and there's music on and there is, uh, this is the thing I don't get. My kids can watch two TVs and their computers while holding an iPhone at the same time. I don't get it, but it's all making noise. It was loud and I, I was there. And, and to be honest, I felt like I was about to have a moment, if you know what I mean. So I decided to just change it. What I did is I took out my, my AirPods and I put them in my ears. And I just turned that worship all the way up. Right there in the middle of all the craziness with the noise, and the yelling and the screaming and the TVs and everything that was going on, I, I just closed my eyes. And even though everything around me looked like it was kind of going a bit crazy, you know what I did? I had a moment with Jesus. That's all it was. I know it sounds so simple, but this thing, it gives me peace. So there I am at the table. I close my eyes so I don't have to look at anything and I just begin to worship. Right there in that very moment, I'm not thinking about anything else and I'm not looking at anything else. I just know the thing that I need right now is one moment, an encounter with Jesus. I tell you this, I listened to a couple of songs, I turned it off and my whole life felt different. Everything was just as crazy as it ever was, I'll tell you the truth. But I was different and I was changed and I was transformed. See, that's the thing about having a moment with Jesus. It doesn't necessarily change everything around you. It can, it doesn't always, but the thing that always changes is you. And if you have a moment with God, a moment with Jesus, maybe, maybe you can find peace in the middle of all the things that are happening in your world right now. I did. I absolutely believe that you can do that too. So here's what you need to do. You need to position yourself because you can't plan a Kairos moment. You can't plan it. It's going to happen when it happens. But you know what you can do? You can position yourself for it. Here's how I position myself for it. I go to church. That's, that's why we do church. I'm positioning myself for a moment with God. I'm making sure that, that when I'm in that church experience, wherever it is, whether it's on my couch with my kids, whether it's, you know, live and it's happening and it's in front of me, it doesn't matter where I am as long as I have positioned myself, my heart, and I'm just wanting to connect with God. When I sing, I'm not looking at what the lights are doing. I'm not looking at anything else. All I want is that moment with God because I know that I need that moment more than I need anything else. So you could go to church to have that moment. Man, you could just worship. You can put it in your headphones. You can read your Bible. Here's my encouragement to you. If, if you can't leave your house right now, just find your favourite chair, Get some incredible coffee or tea, but definitely a hot drink. No cold drinks. No, you can do whatever you want, okay? But you just get a, a drink, your favorite drink, and you sit down in your chair and you look out the window, you listen to some worship, and you have a moment with God. And those moments are the things that will help you to navigate this crazy season, this crazy world that we're living in right now. You can have a moment 
that'll change you. And I really believe that one moment can change your life. I wanna pray for every single person today who in all honesty just feels like things are getting a little bit out of control and you know that you just need your heart to be at peace. Man, it can be going crazy around you, but you can still have peace and be relaxed right where you are. You might just need to have an encounter with God. So here's what I wanna do. Everyone that's listening to this message right now, if you want a moment that'll transform your life and you say, yes, God, that's me. I'm looking for this. I felt far or I felt distant or I just, I want an encounter with you, God. I'm reaching out to you. Why don't you do this right now? Why don't you join me as I begin to pray? Father God, I thank you for every single person who's listening to this message right now, who knows that they need a moment with you. Holy Spirit, I know that you're there. You're listening to these words. As they reach out just by faith, Some of them have got their eyes closed. Some of them are even watching this now. It doesn't matter, God. They're reaching out for you with everything that's going on inside of their heart. They're saying, God, I just want you so much. And I pray that, Lord, your presence would come, that you'd fill, that you begin to pour out your Spirit into their lives. Lord, nothing around them might be different, but God, I pray in the middle, right where they are, that they have an encounter with You that changes their lives. It's not this season that will shape them. It's the moments with You that will shape them. It's the moments with You that will change them. And Father, they need a moment with You. God, I pray, send peace. Send the presence of Your Spirit. Let grace fall upon every person who's reaching out right right now. I pray, God, for peace upon every family and I pray grace be multiplied to you in Jesus mighty name I pray Amen Hey thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast we hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services so to connect further with us head over to brightchurch.com